thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. I was grateful for Pastor Tim coming, sharing, and I, I watched this message, just talked to him, he did a fantastic job, and so very grateful for his ministry here to, to kick off this series called Jesus is Awesome, and so we're continuing to do that today, and what's amazing about this book that we're looking at, the book of Colossians, is that it was written 2,000 years ago to a church in Colossae, but the reality, it still speaks to us today. It still, it still transforms us, it still challenges us, it still goes deep in your heart and changes us. And so that, the book that we're reading, that we're, we're teaching through, was written in 60 AD from Paul. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ and at one point he, cruci- he, he, he um, persecuted Christians and he was, he was a centerpiece in trying to destroy the church then God got a hold of his life, and then his whole life was about building and restoring the church. And so this is the Apostle Paul who wrote this, this book that we're looking at today. And he was in prison when he wrote it, and he, he began to write to the church. But the, he brought out some things in there that are transformative in our lives as well. Because this is the message when you look through the book of Colossians and you you begin to read through it and and you hear the message over and over and over again from Paul. And it's a simple message of this. Jesus is awesome. He's awesome. Now we use that word a lot and we'll say, listen, Thanksgiving is awesome, pumpkin pie is awesome, and Christmas is awesome, and Santa is awesome, and Jesus is awesome. We lose the meaning of the word awesome. And I want you to hear today, it is Jesus and Jesus only that personifies the definition of awesome. It really is. And when we read the words of Paul, Time and time again, he is exalting Jesus. He's lifting Jesus up. He's getting the eyes of the church off of the wrong things and setting their eyes on the right thing, the supreme thing, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is awesome. He is supreme. And when you read the Apostle Paul's writing, you never get the notion he's puffing himself up. You never get the notion he's trying to make a name for himself. He's trying to start his own ministry. You always get the sense that he is completely and totally promoting his God and his Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is an example for us as a church as well. Because doesn't that make a lot of sense that the church of Jesus Christ would put Jesus at the center of the church that belongs to Jesus Christ? And I think that's the answer to the American church. It isn't another program. It's not another big name. It's that we would take the Lord Jesus Christ and we'd actually place him at the center of our churches and we'd worship him and focus on him. Amen? And so when we come to the section of the book that we're looking at today, we see the central message of the whole Bible. There's a central message of the whole Bible that, that Paul preaches. But I would say if I, was, if I had one message to preach, if I had one of this, if God said, Jason, this is your last message. You can pick whatever you want to preach on. This is what I would preach on today, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is the center of the whole message of God. 
It's the message from Genesis to Revelations. It's that God is proud of the cross. It was his idea of the cross. God sent his son to die on a cross. And I'm honored to proclaim the message of the cross. Paul said this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. And he rose from the dead. And if you put your trust and belief in that and confess your sins, you will be saved saved. This is the message. And there's a lot of things we can proclaim. There's a lot of things that we can teach from the Bible, and they're all good, and they're all amazing. But without this message, nothing else would have any pegs to be hung on. It is the, it is the cross that's the center of the Bible. So I pray this message helps refocus us. And I, I hope it helps uh, to kind of adjust things as we are thinking about stepping into the, into the new year. And when you see the life of Paul, He's always telling the churches to keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. That's what he does. Keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. Because it's so easy as churches to get, you, you get, you get sidetracked by, by other things. And all of a sudden you're making this thing the center of the church. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I must be the center of the church because if I be lifted up, then I will draw men unto myself. And so Paul dedicated his life. Matter of fact, he said this in 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. He says, for I resolved to know nothing. Everybody say nothing. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. And he was speaking to another church he was with except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And here is Paul. He is probably one of the most intellectual, one of the most educated people of the Bible. And he was set on bringing this message to wherever he went. Here's, here's the reality about Paul. He's had some amazing, amazing opportunities with God. In one instance, he says that he had a vision, and he was brought up into a third heaven. But guess, guess, guess what he wrote about everything he saw? Nothing. He said, I'm, I'm not even going to write to you about it because there are things that you can't even comprehend. And so he didn't write about those mysteries. He didn't release a DVD series and sell books on Amazon and commit his life to building his ministry. He only committed his life to one thing that could bring hope to, to a lost, deprived, broken generation around him. And that was Christ and him crucified. We live, my friends, in a broken, in a hurting, in a lost world. And the only thing. The only thing that's going to rescue it and rescue you is that we know Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's not a one-time thing. And if you're thinking, well, I already know him. No, no, it's not a one-time thing. Here's Paul, who was like the super apostle. He says, I desire to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So this is an ongoing journey that we are in and knowing Jesus and what he did and what his father did through him for us. And I believe the Lord wants us to be encouraged today, wants us to be strengthened. I, and I want us to look at this incredible, powerful section, section of Scripture that my, my desire is that you leave here a totally different person. Because the Word of God, it cuts us, it shapes us, it heals us, it restores us, it challenges us, and allows us to become everything that God wants us to be. So who's up for that today? It's going to be a good time. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, and I'll just begin to read this today um, with you. You can just follow along. In him you were also circumcised. Now remember Paul's writing to church in Colossae. And he says, in him, meaning in Christ, you were circumcised 
with a circumcision not performed by human hands. So he's saying this has nothing to do with your performance. He's comparing what the Jews had to do in order to be saved before Jesus died on the cross to now that Jesus has died on the cross. He's saying this is not about you being circumcised by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God. Who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled, everybody say canceled. Having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness. What this means is that there are many things in their lives that they did not live up to the rules and regulations of the old covenant. And he's saying that God canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Everything where we fell short, God canceled all the, short, the shortcomings in our lives. Which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. Nailing it, speaking of God, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities. It goes on to say, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or regard to religious festivals or new moon celebration or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come, but the reality, however, is found in Christ Jesus. I want to look at something really cool in this passage, and that is this. It's, it's, the, it's the line that says, God nailed it to the cross. So according to the scripture, at the crucifixion of Jesus, the Roman soldier wasn't the only one with the hammer in his hands that day. It says that God was nailing something to the cross. So at the same moment, Jesus Christ was being nailed to the cross for you and for me, God was also nailing something to the cross. And so I want to look at four things that God nailed to the cross for me and for you. And the first one is this, that God nailed my sin to the cross. So this is very, very important. Paul is making sure that the church in Colossae keeps the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. And that is this, that God nailed your sin and my sin to the cross with Jesus Christ. This says, the, the scripture says this, he didn't nail some of it. He didn't nail almost all of it. But every bit of your sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. That means the sin of your past, the sin of your present, and the sin of the future was nailed to the cross. And you may say, you know, Jason, I've never killed anybody. I, I, I've never done anything real bad. I'm a good person. I don't really have any major sins in my life. Well, here's the issue with that way of thinking. Every person that was born after the fall of mankind was born under what is called the curse of sin. You had the stain of sin on your life. You could, you, you, could, you could be born and every single person without sinning, if you could not sin but you would, you are still stained by sin. You still need a Savior. What that means is you were born, all of us were born a victim of sin and you were separated from God. There was a gap, there was a chasm between you and God. And you had zero defense, nothing within your power could restore yourself back to God. You were lost, you were lost. 
And it was that sin that kept us and keeps humanity from God. When you look at the world, listen, when, when you look at everything around us, the reality is this. The answer to our society is not a political system. It's not Republicans. It's not Democrats. It's not the President of the United States. The answer to the need in our country is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's it. Because we're, we were all without Christ or separated from God. And God is a holy God. And because we were born under sin, we could not commune with a holy God. There was, a, there was this huge gap because God was there and we were here and sin caused this chasm. And so what's, what's going on there? How do we ever get to God? And this sin that caused the chasm is what God nailed to the cross. Your sin and my sin. And this is the reality. You know, the Romans, when they crucified people, and they crucified thousands of people throughout history, it was customary to place a sign above the cross. And they'd write on the sign the name of the criminal and all the things that they had done. And it was the same with Jesus Christ. They put on Jesus, above, they put above him a sign that says, the king of the Jews. Jesus Christ, Jesus, the king of the Jews. But what wasn't seen that day is that there was another sign that was hanging over Jesus. It was a spiritual sign that was written really with the finger of God. And what was on that sign was your name and my name and every sin that any humanity would ever, would ever step into or do or live out in their own lives. It was written on that sign. And we need to understand that God nailed your sin and the penalty of your sin to the cross with Jesus Christ. Every sin you would ever commit, every sin that would ever be committed was nailed to the cross that day. This is why this matters. Because many of us live under this, this shroud that, that is really the penalty of my sin paid for. Is really, there's, is, is truly, can I be set free? If I am in Christ, really, is, is there still some lagging something over here that's going to bite me like a snake hanging off in the bushes somewhere? Last week when I was in Thailand, after, after we had uh, church service, we went out into the village and, and there were these huts that were just tucked away on the mountainside of Thailand. Beautiful, beautiful place. And we went, to, went into this hut and there was a pastor who was in there and he, he had a brain tumor and he was struggling and he was, he was depressed and, and he, was, he was running his mind a million miles a minute. He had had surgery and they had successfully removed the tumor from, from his brain and so he was recovering. And, but he was being ate up by a lie and he was trying to reason, why did God allow me to have a brain tumor? And he started going over in his mind. Maybe it was because he had made some mistakes. So he started trying to make lists of everything he had ever done wrong. And maybe he had sinned. And, and, and maybe, maybe he, had, he had treated someone wrong. And maybe he had had a bad attitude about this. And, and he was trying to, to, to figure out 
that because he had the sickness, that it was a penalty. It was a, it was a stain of some sin that he had committed. And I looked at him through a translator, and I, said, and I said this, that God took all of your sin and mistakes, and he nailed them to the cross with Jesus. And I told him this. I said, Jesus paid the price for your sin so that you don't have to. That is the gospel. That's the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ. And many Christians feel like if something goes wrong in our lives, we feel like, well, okay, what did I do wrong? What, what, what did I, did I have a wrong thought? Did I make a, a wrong a decision about something? What did I do? And, and maybe I did something. I didn't even know I did it. And, and that's why this is happening to me. God wants all of us here today. He wants to proclaim and he wants all of us to see the power and the completeness of the cross of Jesus Christ. That he nailed every bit of your sin to the cross of Jesus Christ. Every bit of it he did. Isaiah 53 says this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. In other words, we've all fallen short. We'd all say amen to that. Each of us has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, speaking of Jesus, the iniquity of us all. I don't know why things happen in your life and in my life. I don't know why things will turn out the way that would be the best. I don't understand all of that and I'm not gonna stand up here and, and somehow fake it that somehow I know all the answers, I don't. But what I do know is that the things that happen in our life is not for us to backpedal and try to figure out a way that somehow maybe we're paying the penalty of our own sin. We need to know this, that God wants us to get our eyes off of us and get our eyes onto Jesus Christ and say, it is Jesus who took all of my sin, all of the penalty, all of the stain, everything about it, and God nailed it to the cross, and I'm free from it today. That's what God wants us to know today. This means that God placed the crushing weight of my sin and your sins on Jesus Christ. He nailed it to the, to the cross. And when, when Jesus died on the cross, our sin, the penalty of our sin, died with him. And when Jesus rose from the dead, we rose with him, free from our sin. The second thing that God nailed to the cross is this, that God nailed my shame to the cross. Every single one of us in this room has, has embodied and we know what it means to have shame, to have guilt. And I want you to think about that. I just want for a second, I want you to think about the shame of the cross. Think about the, the horrificness of the cross. The whole purpose of crucifixion was to execute a criminal in the most humiliating, the most shameful, the, the most inhumane way as possible. They were stripped naked to increase the shame upon their lives. And Jesus, who was being nailed to the cross, who was experiencing the most shameful, the most painful punishment to which any criminal could be ever subject to, he had been stripped naked. He had been laying across beams and spikes were driven into his quivering flesh. His dignity was stripped from him and our shame was placed on him. Hebrews 12 says this. says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Before the, because of the joy, he endured the cross. And look, scorning its shame. 
And after he had paid the penalty and risen from the dead, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Up to this point on the cross, there had never been a moment in time that any man or woman had ever lived free from shame or guilt. The old covenant, it offered no solution to your guilt. It offered no solution to your shame. They would crucify, or sorry, they would sacrifice animals and they would take that blood and, and the blood would, would, be, would cover somehow of your shame or your guilt, but it would not remove it whatsoever. So of all of mankind, up to the point of Jesus Christ, had suffered and carried guilt and shame. But after God nailed our shame to the cross with Jesus. We who run to Jesus can be free from our guilt. We can be free from our shame. We don't have to carry it anymore. So even though Jesus went to the cross, even though Jesus endured the sin and the shame, he saw the cross as revolting. Scripture says he endured it anyway. He despised it, but he embraced it. And if you're a Christian today, if you've called on the name of the Lord to be saved, you can celebrate because you don't have to carry the weight of your shame or your guilt anymore. It has been nailed to the cross. Amen. It's been nailed to the cross. So God would say, stop living under the shame of a mistake you made. He would ask you the question, have you given that mistake to me? Have you asked me to cleanse you from the mistake? If the answer is yes, you are free from the shame and the guilt of that sin. God drove a nail. And I don't care how horrific your sin has been. How sexually promiscuous you may have been. How many drugs you may have taken. How many, how many people you may have ripped off. The reality is this. When you run to Jesus Christ and you cry out to him for forgiveness, he nails your sin and your shame and your guilt that today you can stand before him and be shameless and guiltless because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He took your shame and he drove a nail through the head of your shame to the cross. Let him cleanse you. Let him free you. Now is the time because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Stop being downcast. Stop being eaten up by guilt and shame. You lift your head high no matter what Satan tells you. You are a child of God. You are free from guilt and shame. You walk high because you are called to the most high God. He has redeemed you with his blood. He's made you a king and a priest to rule and reign in his kingdom. So let's start acting and walking like it. Amen? Number three, what was nailed to the cross is God nailed the rules and regulations of the Old Testament to the cross. The rules and regulations of the old covenant to the cross. Colossians chapter 2 reads this, and I'm just going to read it again. It says, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. In other words, we have all fallen short. We have all not lived up to the rules and regulations of the old covenant. One, because many of us are Gentiles and we're not, we're not Jewish, but even the Jews themselves could not live up to the old law, which stood against us and condemned us. He had taken it away, 
God had taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regards to religious festivals, the new moon celebration, or the Sabbath day. These are the shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So he took the, the, the rules and regulations that everyone was required to jump through and the hoops to jump through and to check, tick these boxes and that boxes and jump over that and wear that and this color and make sure you don't do this and make sure you celebrate there and make sure you don't walk too far on the Sabbath. And if you do, you're guilty of breaking the Sabbath and all these rules and regulations that somehow not all of us can keep. But he took all of them and he nailed them to the cross. In the Old Testament, there were hundreds of rules. Rules of diet, rules of hygiene, um, rules of festivals, the sacrificial system, um, and what we had to do once a year in order to be cleansed or in order to be covered of our sins. There's even a verse in Deuteronomy 21 that says if you have a rebellious, stubborn teenager, you're to take him outside the city and stone them to death. Now, some of you parents don't get any ideas. You cannot, you cannot put that back in. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. That was a bad joke. I'm so sorry. All I know is, thank God my parents were parents of the new covenant because I would not be with you today. I'm just saying. And, there, and really, in, in, the, in the old covenant, there were two types. And just real briefly, I just need to touch this. There were two Two types of law under the old covenant. There was the moral law and there was a the ceremonial law. What was nailed to the cross was a ceremonial law. In other words, all the rules and all the regulations that we had to do in order to please God and we all fell short, he nailed them to the cross. The moral laws like do, do not commit murder, don't commit adultery, all those things. In, in our lives, we still obey them because the moment you are saved, Scripture says that the, the law of God or the moral law of God is written on our hearts and is written in the Word of God. And we can follow that and obey that. And it is God who gives us the ability to even follow the moral law. But all of the ceremonial laws, we do not have to observe them anymore in order to please God because they were nailed to the cross. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was fulfilling all of the Old Testament sacrificial rituals. He was the Lamb of God. So no longer did we need to, to sacrifice a lamb in the, in the temple. Jesus was the, the final lamb. No other sacrifice would ever, be, would ever need to be made because Jesus was the final and supreme Lamb of God. And as he breathed, Jesus breathed his last breath, as God nailed the rules and regulations to the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. And every Old Testament rule and regulation that kept us from God was paid for and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I was in Israel last week and I saw the model of the old temple. And I was reminded of all of these regulations. And I thought, God, thank you. Thank you. Because the model then is you went up and worshiped God in the temple. That's, that's where you went. You had to go up to the temple. And you had the Gentile court, or Gentiles, meaning if you weren't Jewish, you could only go this far. Then you had uh, one up from there, it was, it, was, it was another, it was three feet high, it was uh, the women's, if you were a woman and a Jew, you could go in that one. But if you were a Gentile and ever crossed over into where the Jews are supposed to go, um, or where you, you could go in this area if you fit the certain mold or the certain model, you were born of the right family. It was, a, it was a crime that was punishable by death. 
And then the next one was, a, was another court that you had to go to. And, and it was like eight feet and then ten feet and then another three feet. And every one of these was a rule and a regulation that, that kept me from going and being with God that my heart was desiring to be with. And it was just over and over and over again. The whole arrangement of the temple was to worship God, but the whole arrangement of the rules and regulation was about us being separated from God. And all the rules said to us, you can only come this far. You need to stay back. You can't come this close to God. Oh, ladies, I'm sorry, you can only come this close. And oh, Jewish man, you can come here, but you can't go there. And then if you were a priest, you could be in this one area you could worship. But only one priest out of all the priests could go into the Holy of Holies to be and to fellowship with God. But it wasn't any time they wanted to. It was only once a year. And the whole system of rules and regulations was saying you have to stay back. But when God nailed the rules and the regulations to the cross and Jesus declared it is finished. The curtain that separated man from God's presence and mankind. The Bible says it was a curtain that was 30 foot high, 60 feet wide, 9 inches thick. The Bible says when the cross, when God nailed the rules and regulations to the cross and Jesus shouted it is finished, it says that that curtain was ripped from top to bottom all the way down. And it was God saying, you don't need the sacrificial system anymore. You don't need the ceremonial uh, regulations anymore to please God. You don't need them to please God. I know there are some believers who still do them. That's totally fine. But we don't, they don't do them to please God because God's already pleased with them because he nailed the rules and regulations to the cross with Jesus Christ. He said, I have nailed them to the cross. You can come closer to me now. You can run to me. You can have a relationship with me. The curtain is no longer there. I love you. Put your trust in my son, Jesus Christ, and let's hang out in the Holy of Holies. But here's the other thing. It's not now that we come into the Holy of Holies. Once you give your life to Jesus, Scripture says that you become the Holy of Holies. Think about that. The Shekinah glory of God that dwelt in the temple. That the, 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 the glory cloud would fill the temple and one priest would go in and if he didn't tick all the right rules and regulations off before he went in there, he would die and they'd pull him out with a rope. Now when you give your life to Jesus Christ, we know that God doesn't dwell in buildings made by, made by man's hand anymore. He dwells in you and me. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's something for us to understand. Don't you love messages about the cross? Aren't they just good? They're just good. The fourth thing that God nailed to the cross is this one. God nailed Satan's power and authority over me to the cross. Satan's authority and power was nullified by the cross. Many people believe that God and the devil are on this earth and they're duking it out and 
Sometimes the devil has a good day and he'll get one over on God. And God, if he works hard enough, he'll, he'll, he'll get one over on the devil. And so if this is, the, if this is God and this is the devil and they're, they're fighting here, it is, it is the wrong idea. If this is God and this is the devil, it is not this on this earth, my friends. It is this. It's this. Because Satan's power and authority has been nullified by the cross of Jesus Christ over your life if you are in Christ Jesus. There's not a battle going on where, where somehow God loses some days and some days. No, that's, that is ridiculous. He is supreme power. God is supreme power. And the devil's power was crushed at the cross. And Satan was defeated at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you are in Christ Jesus, now please hear me. Satan has no authority over your life. Zero. Everybody say zero. Zero Zero authority if you are in Christ. Satan may be alive. You may have done something in your life that, that invited Satan in to somehow... Frustrate or disturb you, but you need to know this. If you will run to the cross of Jesus Christ, if you'll run to the Father through his son Jesus Christ, you can be set free and delivered from any authority or or, uh, influence on your life from the enemy because the power over your life when you are in Christ has been paid for. The power of Satan has been demolished. It's been annihilated. And you are free to live the life that God wants you to live. God dealt with Satan for you at the cross. 1 John 3 says this, the reason the Son of God appeared, Jesus appeared, was to destroy. It doesn't say cripple. It doesn't say hamstring. It doesn't say that just tie one, one hand and one leg behind his back. It says to destroy the devil's work on our lives. You talk about shame. Satan, yeah, I'm sure he was basking in the shame of Jesus And laughing at the shame of Jesus as he endured it on the cross. But when Jesus finished his work, Satan was the one who was shamed. He was exposed for the lying, pansy, knucklehead that he really is. He was. I want you you to look at Colossians 2.15. Now maybe you'll see it a little differently. Having disarmed the powers and authority. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This word triumphing is, is this understanding of a, of a military general. And he, it's almost as after he would win a battle, he would put his enemies on, on, a, on, a, on a rope and he'd stack them. And he would walk through, ride his horse through town, pulling them along with him. He, and he would publicly be declaring they are defeated. They no longer have authority. They no longer have a place to, to dwell. They have been conquered. And this is what this word is saying. He made a public spectacle of them. In other words, he stripped him naked of every, every power, every authority over your life. And he stood him in the courts of, of eternity. And he said, he is a liar, 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 liar. He has no authority over our lives. That's what he did. That's what this means. And all of us need to understand that those hammer blows on the cross, they weren't just about crucifying Jesus. They were hammer blows 
that would nail Satan in his coffin. And he has no authority over, over our lives. And those hammer blows echoed and echoed for three days until Jesus burst forth from the grave in victory. And so for all of us, what does this mean? What, what, what is it so important that Paul wanted the church to understand? It is about Jesus and Jesus alone. And that Jesus is awesome. Can we say that together? Jesus is awesome. And this is the reality that God wants us to remember that your sin was nailed to the cross. You are free from your mistakes in Christ Jesus. Remember, your shame and your guilt belongs on the cross, not on you. So do the Taylor Swift thing and shake it off and run to Jesus Christ. That was funny. You should laugh at that. Funny? Okay, all right, all right. It doesn't belong. It doesn't belong on you. You are free from your shame. You're free to live the life. You're free to run in the life that God has called you to run. Because of the cross, you don't have to live according to all the, the do's and don'ts. And many of us, even today, we, we create our own do's and don'ts. At the end of every day, we measure, was I, did I, was I good, was I good, was I not good? Did my behavior help me get God's approval or, or did it not? And we check, we check our little boxes of, of legalism. We check our little boxes and God's saying, you are already accepted and loved by me. Don't live for my approval, live from my approval. Don't live your life to, I got to just, God, please approve me. God, please. Listen, if you are in Christ Jesus, he already approves of you. He already adores you. You've already been forgiven. Your shame no longer belongs to you. Now he says, now once you understand that, now live your life from that approval and begin to walk that out. And once you live from his approval versus for his approval, you will live the life that glorifies and honor him through your behavior, through your thoughts. But he's the one that gives you the power to even do it. And because of the cross, we don't have to fear the enemy. We don't have to fear, to fear the devil. Our foe has been defeated and we can live. And scriptures even says this, the devil's been defeated. So when he comes to you and lies to you, scripture says this, resist him and he must flee from you. Why? Because he's already been defeated. And so we as the body of Christ, it's time that we elevate the cross of Jesus Christ as number one in our lives. We, we don't do it through performance. We don't do it through jumping through all the hoops. We do it through running to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And then, Scripture says, we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. And he will dwell in us and touch us and transform us. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand today. Amen. Amen. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.